This is Don Bettinelli from Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. I just want to take a moment to the beginning of this podcast to just note that at about halfway through, we had some issues with Skype and one of our panelists, Maria, was podcasting from the middle of a hurricane and lost power. Uh, so we've had a few interruptions. And so about 26 minutes in, you're going to have a brief interlude of a few seconds of music that we've inserted to join two parts of the podcast. Thank you. And now on to the podcast. The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Podcast Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of The Incredibles 2. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Incredibles 2, where we are going to discuss the hidden layers and deeper meaning of this uh, Pixar animated movie. And joining me today on the panel are Lisa Hendy. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Dom. And Maria Johnson. Hi, Maria. Hi, guys. How are you? So uh, Lisa is uh, the founder of CatholicMom.com, and she's perfect for uh, discussing The Incredibles 2, which is a... A lot about a mom, and uh, it, Maria, you are the you are the author of the uh, the bad my badass book of saints. Which these are some badass people, <laughs> especially Helen Barr. Uh, so I think we're you're both eminently qualified uh, to be uh, as part of this podcast. Uh, and just to warn listeners, uh, Maria is in the middle of Hurricane Gordon. Gordon, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's it's right. a hurricane. She's hurricane podcasting, folks. So if she <laughs> right. if she drops out in the middle of the podcast, uh, we'll we'll just uh, assume that uh, the, the winds took her away or something. But uh, we should we be doing that. Or she had to don her cape and go <laughs> yeah. go off to a mission. Yes, exactly. I, I was thinking maybe we should be doing the Wizard of Oz or you know uh, one of those the many hurricane set movies. Uh, so my bicycle's uh, in the garage. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, First, before we get into the discussion here, I want to just kind of promote uh, another podcast that we just launched today uh, on StarQuest, and it is The Secrets of Star Trek, uh, a, a podcast that Maria uh, helped launch uh, low these many years ago. Uh, what was I think it was started like eight years ago was the the first episode, and it went for wow, a couple years, goodness. and then uh, we kind of it got suspended, got it went in hiatus, but we're bringing it back, and we just launched our first episode today. Uh, it's and it's uh, it'll be me and Jimmy Aiken and Father Corey Stika and we'll bring in other folks as we go along just uh, for fun and for variety. And uh, the, our first episode, we're talking about just what does it mean to be a Star Trek fan for us? You know what 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 our experience, how we became Star Trek fans, and and that sort of thing. So if you get a chance to check it out, go to uh, sqpn.com slash trek and uh, check out the episode there and you you can also see all the first 12 episodes including the ones that Maria helped do uh, uh, uh when it was first starting so uh so let's talk about the incredibles 2 uh, i got a chance to see it's been a while since it's been out um i only got a chance to see it last week uh, it's been a crazy summer um so i don't know how long it's been since either of you have seen it but uh it's you know it, it it's um how to put it so the first, let's talk about the the Pixar tradition of they always show a short, an unrelated short film 
before the movie rolls. And I kind of just want to talk a little bit about that uh, first. And that one this time was a, a short film called Bao, which I gather is a the Chinese word for baby. And it's also a reference to uh, the Chinese, uh, the, 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 the uh, steamed dumplings they call dim, the dim sum dumplings. And it's a it's a, a cute uh, wordless. There's no there's no lines in it. A uh, little short animation about um, a woman and a, it's at first it's about a woman and a dumpling that becomes a baby. But of course, it becomes about much more, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Let me tell you, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I was you cried in that. You see, you and I, we've got the empty nest. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just to kind of set the stage, you both have grown children who have left the nest, uh, and and that's sort yes. of what this what this video was. Well, not just sort of. That's what this video was about. Was about a woman whose son has left home, and uh, she's sort of projecting that loss uh, or feeling that loss. Um, so, so tell me about your re- your reaction to it. I mean, mine is based on, you know, viewing other people from afar, but these are experiences that both of you have had. But Maria, what, what was your, like your reaction to this and as it unfolded? Oh, well, I, I just, Oh, I, I was so empathetic with the mom and, you know, we do, we take our little babies and they're our little dumplings and we take such good care of them and we keep them so close to our hearts and, uh, and that they go away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and our fear is that they don't come back, you know, yeah. and uh, and that somehow we're going to lose them. But um, what actually happens and and what the mom discovers at the end of this movie it, or at the end of this little short is that, you know, you love them so hard and you fill them with so much love that when they share that love with somebody else and they bring that that person home, what it does is it magnifies love. You know, love magnifies love. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a grandma, guys. Oh, How great. exciting is that? Congrats. And, uh, and it, that's just more of that magnification. You know, the more you love, it seems like the more that it grows. And so for me, it was a very, just a very sweet little short and, um, and, and very close to my heart. How about you, Lisa? Oh, yeah. As a mom of two sons, I think I can kind of line up with what Maria is saying. And it's sort of like you go through those phases with girlfriends where it's like no one's ever going to be good enough for my (laughs) my, I'm sure your mom felt this too, Domenico, (laughs) (laughs) that no one would actually. And then she met Melanie. Yes, of course. Of course. Fears were absolved. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I think it brings up that emotion. I think there was a little bit of like a weird factor to it that sort of caused some conversation at the time that the short came out but definitely um whether you're an asian mom or a, an italian mom or an american mom or whatever you know there's some those same feelings are universal and it does definitely come to a happy conclusion there's that one weird moment where she's just so frantic about losing him that she eats him up uh, yeah and, and then is horrified <laughs> at what she's done and I, I thought that there was sort of a, a an, an analogy or a or, or you know a metaphor for um, smothering, in a sense, she sort of smothered him so much that he was gone. That that sort of thing, and and she realized that mistake after she'd done it. Um, but yet, it turns out she was having. A, I guess was it a dream, or that's I, I wasn't quite sure whether it was just a dream or not. Um, 
but, but I'll defer to the literature professor. <laughs> but in either case, she, yes, <laughs> I think definitely. But, I think definitely yeah. it was a it was a dream. Okay, uh, but but then yeah, then that resolution. So it was a nice little short. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It was a uh, it was a pretty uh, it was a nice little thing, and uh, I think we might have lost Maria. Uh, hopefully she'll come back. Um, otherwise, it's, we, she doesn't get to talk at all about the Incredibles. It'll just be you and me, uh, Lisa. Um, so hopefully she'll she'll rejoin us. So um, let's talk about the Incredibles. But of course, we we want to talk about something uh, th- that is that took place right at the beginning. These still yet before the movie started, which is the apology, uh, which was seems so unusual. The uh, filmmakers and the actors sort of spent some time to apologize that it had been so long since the first movie came out. But what, what did you think of that? Uh, Maria, what did you think of that? I'll, I'll um, answer. Oh, Maria's. Oh, I'm, I'm back on. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> in and out. Um, I, you know, I thought it was interesting because, um, because the, I think they had to do that because the movie picked up exactly where the first one left off. Okay. And um, so many people were wondering, and there was so much hype around what 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 was it going to be, and were they going to pick up, or where or were they going to take it? You know, fourteen years was it a dozen yeah. years or fourteen uh, in, into the future? So um, I I think that they just did that for the hype as well. Um, but I I thought it was great to hear the actors, you know, telling their telling their little piece of it, and um, you know, for for us. You know, we're such big fans of these things, whether they're the superhero movies or the animated, you know, films. Right. Um, so every every little nugget that the actors and the directors and the producers and the musicians that they gave us, you know, we eat it up. So I think it was part yeah. of the part of the game. I think it's also kind of part of the uh, atmosphere that we live in now, the social media, uh, where we have much more access to filmmakers and actors and, and the other creative people in, in the process, we see their tweets, we see them online, whatnot. We, and so we have this connection to them uh, so that when we see the, the, the face behind the animated uh, person, uh, we, we feel that connection. I mean, frankly, my first thought, I hate to say this, is I saw oh, oh, the, the, the guy who does the voice for Bob, he, he was coach. Um, I, I'm terrible <laughs> with names. I can never remember names. Um, but th- when I saw them, I'm like, wow, they got old, which is a horrible thing. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, uh, and, uh, the ageless Samuel L. Jackson, I have to say, uh, he's, he is ageless, oh. but, uh, th- that was, that, that's my sad reaction to them was, uh, oh, you know, they've, they, they look so much older now because it's been 14 years. Of course they were older. Uh, Tom, don't beat yourself up. I had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we we a lot of us did. I guess. Um, so, gosh, I was like, I hope I can look like Holly Hunter. She's a, just a few years ahead of me, and she looks great. I thought she looked wonderful. Well, I did think. Plastic you know, the, uh, I gotta say, I mean, I, I don't know. In the Me Too era, am I, am I supposed to comment on how women look? But I gotta say, no, you're not. Uh, no, uh, you're not. But we can talk about that in, in uh, for, for about the, the film too. Right. Well, <laughs> let me just say, uh, I think Holly Hunter looks wonderful, and uh, and she, and she's. I'm I'm so happy that she has not gone the route of so many. Holly women that either feel like they have to do tons of plastic surgery or disappear. I'm glad that she's still involved in, in, cause she's such a great voice. I love her voice. Her accent is wonderful. I'm glad to have her still around. 
making uh, making movies. So let's talk about the movie itself then. Uh, un- unless you had something you wanted to add to that, Lisa. But uh, no, just that actually, you know, one of my perspectives on this film is from my uh, my niece or my I'm sorry, my nephew who is an eighth grader this year. He's 13. And um, he was dying for this movie to come out. He's mm. such a huge Pixar fan and and loved The Incredibles. And uh, and so I was thinking um, like he really appreciated that part of it. And, you know, we were speculating together on, OK, if it took this long for this one, when how old will we be when the next <laughs> I'll be even older than Holly. <laughs> so, well, that's but, I mean- um, and it, it, it's not just for us. It's for the kids as well. Right. So. Well, I want to actually come back to that uh, it, at the end. The talk about the you know how this compares to the first one and whether 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 the desire for sequels is good. But I I, do, I want to come back to that kind of sort sort of as a wrap up um, because once we've talked about the whole thing. Uh, but first, let's talk about like the the story itself. It's is it, some people said it was a rehash of the first movie. It's sort of the same sort of. The supers can't be super in public, so they are super in secret and go out and do this thing. Of course, the difference is this time it's it's uh, Helen who is being sponsored by the wealthy uh, philanthropist who wants to uh, promote supers. And she's out there doing it while Bob's the one who stays home with the family. And so it's just like a lot of Pixar mo- uh, movies that have sequels. It's just a reversal of the first one. Do you feel like that that's the way this one was? It's just a, is a, a reversal or was there a new element to this uh, that that they're bringing to it? Um, Lisa, do you have anything you, uh, to, to put on that one? I mean, definitely my thought about this was that it was as much about family, the dynamics of family, as it was about the super element. And uh, and certainly, you know, uh, sort of with the couple last couple of years that we've been through, sort of a different take on the role of women versus the role of men. And, uh, you know, my my look at it was more from that perspective. Uh, one of the things I remember from the first movie, there was a deleted scene, which deleted scene in an animated movie, but it was a, a scene that they had uh, drawn up that didn't get included in the final uh, production of uh, a a backyard barbecue where Helen was talking about this uh, being a stay at home mom and being and and sort of uh, she met this other woman in the neighborhood who has a a big, important job outside the home and kind of feeling like she's left behind by Bob, uh, especially now that he's secretly going out doing superhero things. Um, it, and it feels like that maybe that got you know reversed in this one where you know again like bob is you know, it's it's a different it's a different approach to this same question really about um measuring up to what your spouse is doing what do you think maria is is that am i on target with that um uh, yeah i think that i think that you hit it um uh if i could just circle back a little bit though about yeah. um repeating the storyline um, you know, there's really nothing new under the sun. They're all the same stories and they're all rehashed over and over and over again. And, uh, and so really the point of storytelling is to find, find the connection that's going to resonate with that particular art, uh, audience. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of bleeds into now what we're talking about, uh, which is the experience that Bob is having at home, um, and trying to, trying to get everything right. Um, which is really, I think that, uh, you know, what Helen, was kind of going through uh, wanting to be a career woman or whatever, you know, whatever her, um, her idea of, of, of working outside the home was. So I think it's always going to be the same story. 
and the sequel is always mm. going to retell the same story, but it's going to have these these different elements in it so that they resonate differently with people. Uh, maybe this movie resonated with men, it, you know, well, in in a way that you know, in a way that that for women that first you know, I mean, I was a stay at home mom and a, and 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 I worked outside the home, and now I I can do both, but <laughs> right. but. Um, uh, you know, it did resonate with me, especially because the first time, you know, with the first movie when it came out 14 years ago, I, I had given up my job and I was at home. Um, and and actually now my husband gave up his job and, and has yep. stayed home. And so it's it's a curious thing, but it's it's all about what resonates. So it's the same story, yep. but uh, different details. It's kind of feels like uh, they're learning to appreciate the other, you know, the and it's a, that's mm-hmm. something I think it's it's very common with couples is, is is being sure to appreciate the things that the other person does and that they often do so well that you don't have to notice it. <laughs> you know, my wife, yeah. keep, she she keeps on top of the laundry and she always, you know, she I don't have to worry about whether I have clean clothes, uh, you know, until like when she's when she's sick and out of it. And then suddenly I have to do the, <laughs> do the clothes and the laundry. And, and it's like taking care of those things. That, and, and, you know, conversely, I do all the bills in our house, so she doesn't have to worry about paying bills, but, but we, we often do those things so well that we take sort of take it for granted. And I think that might be a little bit what's going on here is, is Bob is learning to appreciate the work that goes into you know, staying at home and taking care of the kids, uh, although not all of us have superpowered babies, but, but uh, <laughs> sometimes it seems like it. Uh, but but and then Helen sort of appreciating, you know, the the stress that being out working every day has and not being home when you want to be. Uh, so I kind of like I just, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering, though, I mean, at a certain point, I was like, they're being a little rough on on him in this. And they made him look just a little bumbling. And I have one brother-in-law who is the stay-at-home dad in a, a family where my sister is actually the breadwinner and a big, high-powered attorney. And, and uh, I wondered what he would have thought of kind of almost the caricature that was made of, <laughs> of, of this dad who, you know, I, I just have to think like not every dad, you know, would be so bumbling with some of the, the family tasks. And obviously it's an animated feature and, you know, there's some humor involved too, but I, that kind of, I wondered how some guys would feel about that. Well, the, the thing is, Whatever you're doing, you know, whenever you take the new role, there is a time of adjustment, a time of learning how you do it well. And I think, you know, so there's two things. Hollywood loves to show the bumbling dad who's never as good at being as raising the kids as the mom is. I mean, that's sort of a Hollywood trope. On the other hand, Bob in this, in The Incredibles 2, he he comes through this and in the end, he's actually become successful. He he has some success taking care of the kids by the end of by the end of the movie you know he's he's figuring out how to do it he's come up with his own way of helping uh uh dash with his homework and helping violet with her school issues and helping jack jack with his crazy superhero uh, stuff you know, with he, his laser eyeballs <laughs> i want some of that <laughs> you know I, I look at some of the different superpowers i'm going there are real world analogs to pretty much all of those like when he <laughs> multiplies into like a bunch of baby clones sometimes it feels like i like when you've got one of those kids that like 
like there's 10 of them where how can you be in six places at once um or when they disappear that's the that's the good one uh you know when they disappear from view or they become fiery burning monsters uh, like that but oh my uh, goodness um, but you know to your to your point though i think i think it's very important um the, the realization that you made because i remember when when our children were tiny when when we had you know infants um there was a way that I wanted my husband to change the diaper and how to dispose of the diaper and how to clean the baby and what to do with a baby and how do you snap and how do you pull and all of these things. And um, I had to let him do it his way, you know, and if the kid ended up whatever he why he's not a babysitter, he's the father. Right. You know, so oh, yeah. so he can figure out his way to do it. And uh, and so it was it was very sweet. And it really actually reminded me of those days um, because, you know, I wanted to micro I wanted to be working, but I also wanted to micromanage the way the home was going to be run and and how the children were going to be cared for. And um, and so that was uh, not just a learning experience for me, because also Helen had to go through with that because she would call to check up on on Bob. And, uh, you know, and part of that was, um, you know, hard for her, too. Oh, uh oh, I think we, we lost Maria in mid sentence. There she is. <laughs> okay, she she's back. Um, hopefully, our well, we're, we're I just a little behind the scenes. We're recording these individually, so hopefully, we have all of uh, Maria's uh, thought there on her recording. But uh, I'll probably cut this part out anyway. So, um, th- uh, sort of, kind of moving through the themes. There seems to be several themes in this movie. One of them is. Um, the working mom uh, aspect, which we've kind of been discussing. Um, but there seems to be a, there's like another theme that comes up both in this one and in the first one, which is whether to work within a system or outside a system that feels unjust. Uh, you know, the supers are being almost unjustly punished. They've, they've basically on, on a balance benefited the world by their actions of uh, uh, superpower actions. Uh, and, and yet, People only seem to see the negative, and so they've been suppressed. Um, and 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 so they're, you know, uh, both Bob and Helen and Frozone and and uh, uh, the this other couple we haven't even talked about yet, uh, Win and Evelyn, Winston and Evelyn uh, Dever. Uh, they all want to change the system. We you know, we'll get to the spoiler part of that in a second, but they all want to change the system to bring them back, and and so. There's this question question of do you work within the system or outside the system and and in both these movies there's a this there's definitely a move toward working outside the system in the first one it was a bad guy who was who, who was getting him to work outside the uh, Bob to work outside the system but in this one we realized no it's still a, I mean Win Dever trying to figure out what the meaning of that name is like, I haven't figured that out yet anyway uh, Winston Win Dever. He uh, he's in, he's working in the system. He's a good guy uh, or he's work, but he's working outside the system. I'm sorry, I misspoke. What do you think is the. Is the message in that? I'm trying, I've, I've been trying to puzzle this out the best way to approach it, but I haven't really figured that out yet. What do you think? Well, you've got you've got the irony there of, you know, um, the good guys, the the Incredibles. Um, going around the legal system, whether they should have been made illegal in the first place is a point of debate, but, right. but they are. And, uh, and so, you know, is good 
for the purpose of good okay when you're breaking the law um when justice is involved right. <laughs> that's the larger issue and you know something that i think there's lots of good things to talk with kids about in this um you know so is their decision to kind of re- restore trust in the superheroes worth the fact that they're skirting um government provisions against them yeah the um It's interesting to think about, though, that superheroes are essentially in in most superhero universes are essentially vigilantes. They're not they're not official law enforcement officers um, in that sense. Uh, So it is kind of I mean, it sort of plays to that, that these that they are basically outside the law in any way. So it's an interesting aspect of of that, of, of the superhero question. They're always meeting in like dark corners with the commissioner of police on a on a hidden back street or something. Right, and they're masked. They they have masks and they have and they they have secret identities. I mean that's uh that's not something that you generally have with uh with the official law enforcement at least in this country. Uh, yeah, and this idea that um that um the uh sort of the um the character just went out of my head um, <laughs> that you were just talking about when Dever and yes. his sister, um, you know, that, that they have an agenda um, and their agenda is described as something that's for good. You know, this initiative to, to um, reinstate the superheroes, um, but possibly for their own gain as well. So, right. That was, that was, so that was a big question throughout the film is, is who's the bad guy? Cause we know somebody is the bad guy. Um, I mean, there's the, uh, there's the, the the the, the supervillain up up front, um, but you know it's that that there's something up with this this sibling couple, um, because we remember from the Incredibles that you know that people who approach you to kind of to go around the system uh, may not be the good guy, uh, and it turns out that that Winston De- uh, Dever is a good guy, but it's his sister. And it's spoilers, folks. I mean, this is, we're doing a spoiler practice. Sorry. <laughs> spoiler to front. Uh, but his sister is, is secretly the bad guy. She's behind it. Uh, uh, just, just to you know, throw it out there. Animated characters named Evelyn are bad guys. I'm sorry. That's just, <laughs> that's, I, that's always, that's always been my experience anyway. Uh, Well, I mean, I I wanted to say something about them. Okay. And, and um, together, I mean, they're both villainous, you know. Um, I mean, Winston seems like he has a uh, a, a good a, a good heart or or a good intention at the beginning, but but the truth is that the superheroes, right? The the you know the the the, the these Incredibles in this universe have um, have lost the public trust. Right. Right. And Winston is trying to regain that public trust through a not authentic way because he's creating these scenarios right. to put Elastigirl in. So it's, it's, you know, he's, he's not, he's not the good guy. He's, he's a villain too. Well, His he- lack of authenticity in it is, is, is devious and it's a machination mm. and, and it's a manipulation of the public's good, goodwill well, towards the, the supers. I, I didn't get the sense that he was creating the 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 circumstances that Helen was going up against. Like he wasn't uh, creating the uh, the bad guy. He was just 
setting it up so that when she does go out on, you know, patrolling, doing the superhero patrol, that they can capture, you know, the footage of her doing the right thing um, and then packaging it. I mean, if anything, it's th- that's the part that's that's less than authentic is the they're packaging it. But I didn't get the sense that he was behind the bad stuff uh, and just and creating it in order to have her solve it. I, I don't I don't think that was the case as far as I remember. Oh, well, no, I mean, I, I mean, OK, yeah, I, 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 I certainly can see that point. But he was just I just thought that he was very um, smarmy in, in what he was doing. I thought <laughs> his lack of his lack of authenticity in what was happening was uh, it was dirty pool. I mean, you can't you yeah. can't regain the public's trust by being a spin doctor, which is essentially what he was. Right. And that's actually a really good point is that 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 seemed to be another this message. This movie was full of little little messages and themes. And that seemed to be another message was the idea of uh, being authentic, being yourself and being authentic versus being packaged and presented and designed, which was Evelyn. She was the design guru and she was designing uh, their their public persona and, and and they were packaging it up. And you know, and making them something they really weren't. You know, right down to the the different costumes, even um, which uh, I loved Edna's res- uh, re- re- response uh, to that. Uh, I just love I love that character. Um, but but yeah, I, I agree with you that there was a, a level of inauthenticity uh, to 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 what he was doing. This packaging of superheroes. You know, he had a, he had a good aim. And it kind of feels like a little bit like we talk about in our in, 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 you know, in our society right now is about media packaging, whether the people uh, that are being presented are authentic uh, to, you know, to what they really are. And almost like, you know, like they were politicians and, and creating a campaign image. Well, that kind of goes hand in hand with, to me, what who was another one of these sort of bad guys in this movie was uh, technology. You know, you have this... Um, this uh, sense of these people being hypnotized in a sense by technology, by screens and this pervasive message that, you know, too many screens is not good, which actually made me really, really happy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but it kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, this um, filtered Instagram culture that we live in that, um, you know, that encourages us to put forward the best version of ourselves in a, in a world where we're capturing so many little moments of our day and sharing them, but we're cultivating that, um, you know, very yeah. carefully. That's a good point. Like this, I, this whole idea of the, I'm, you know, presenting my best self or living my best life or, I mean, there's, there, there I think people have mean different things when they say it. Some people mean, I'm just trying to be the best person I can be, uh, you know, and, and that's what they mean by living my best life. But I think for for some people, and maybe a lot of people, I don't know, the, it it ends up meaning I'm presenting the best thing, the best image I can present, and not showing, not revealing um, the less than happy parts, the less than uh, the, the the parts that are, aren't as 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 presentable, shall we say? Um, and and that, that's oh, absolutely, a- and that's what Winston is doing, isn't he? He's yeah. carefully curating the experience for the for for the consumption. Right, it, it's something that that did they the supers didn't used to have to do they just they 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 went out they did their job and then they you know they went home and the public accepted it or didn't i mean even though you know the the media would cover it and the and you know it would be filtered through the media often 
you know, as always, there's there's more of a sense of artificial shaping, uh, whether it's in this movie or in in society today. Um, so that's that's a good point. Yeah, but it, that yeah, um, as well as a little bit of a you're kind of connected to this is a little bit of a, a to, um, message about addiction, social media addiction. Um, you know, the screen slaver, <laughs> which is that great name, uh, <laughs> who, you know, who enslaves people by making them stare at a screen. It's like, gosh, do we have a screen slaver in in our society today? Because wherever <laughs> you go, everybody's staring hypnotically at their screens. Um, it's it's a good it's an interesting message, especially coming from a movie, frankly, from a, a giant oh, media company. And- and a movie that features, you know, a, an adolescent young girl, Violet, who's sort of in this, you know, uh, change of her life and, you know, where she's developing a new part of her personality. Certainly, I'm sure girls sitting in the audience and, and young guys, too, can see a little bit of themselves and the fragility of that character, what she's yep. going through. And, you know, how I can still remember the day that I turned 13 my mom and dad came and sat down in my room that morning and said you're 13 today and we just want you to know that we'll always love you even though from now on for a long time you're going to think we're really stupid and you'll probably hate us but just remember that and i mean it, it it's a tradition that i repeated with my own kids because it was such a a poignant memory for me um yeah. and the, the times that i did feel that way i was like i'll be darned if i'm gonna give them the satisfaction of knowing that they were right when they said that to me. <laughs> i'm gonna love them and be nice to them instead <laughs> exactly <laughs> i might so, say a lot of things to them but i'm never gonna tell them that they are dumb or that, or that i hate them because then that would make them right <laughs> <laughs> so oh, so funny yeah let's, so let's talk about violet for a minute because it's she's a very interesting character in this movie and it's, it might be easy to overlook her uh no pun intended uh in the sense that in the first movie she was invisible i mean literally her superpower is to become invisible and she in fact used that in school to become invisible like like so many i think it's not just girls. I think there are boys that, that do that as well, where they just don't want anyone to see them, to talk to them, to, to because they're just so you know insecure about themselves or down about themselves. And that was something that she was in the first movie. And in the second movie, she, she picks up the other thing that so many kids in, in school, especially in the high, middle and high school, end up with is she's forgettable. <laughs> Like she's, they use that, you know, the, the, the sci-fi, you know, memory wiper on the boy that she likes who finally asked her out and they wiped his memory of her and now she's forgettable. And, and, and so this poor girl is going through these, these two horrible situations and she doesn't have her mom there to, 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 to help her out. And it's that poignant, uh, you know, that poignant loss that she's feeling, uh, in that moment and, and, and dad trying to help out in his in his bumbling way trying to because he doesn't understand teenage girls and uh, i'm 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 with you bob i'm i'm on that i'm on that with you <laughs> i didn't understand them when i was a teenage boy and i still don't understand them as a as a dad of a preteen so but uh, i just thought that was a really uh, nice turn that they took with this character what do you think of violet in 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 the in both movies oh, yeah. i think that they did such a I think they did such a beautiful job with Violet. She was all of those things that you said. She was, uh, you know, rebellious and, and invisible. And, and unfortunately, right when she was starting to feel a little bit of that confidence, she got some of that collateral damage that, um, 
that 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 was you know a, a consequence of being a superhero you know i mean her father right. was just trying to protect her you know um that's all that bob wanted to do was just protect his little girl and uh and so they erased this boy's mind and <laughs> he forgot who she was <laughs> so her first date was you know she was stood up on her first date um but at the end when he when bob is figuring out how to be a dad to to jack jack you know and how to take care of all of the insanity that's happening to him um and they go visit my my favorite edna mode she's the best <laughs> she's the and, best <laughs> and and she comes back there was that moment of tenderness you know yep where where you could see you know thematically um more so than the superhero theme, you know, Linda, uh, Lisa talked about it earlier is that, you know, it's about the family and that their real strength is in their love for each other yeah. and that they work together as a family unit, you know, not one is greater than the other, but that all together they make the Incredibles, you know, the one family. Um, but for me, I think that that was the sweetest moment in the whole film was, was when she, you know, she's, and he falls asleep, so he doesn't even hear it. You know, his exhaustion. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, that's that's a really good point. Is is this idea is that the real superpower in this family is their love for one another, uh, and that's a really good message because all families can be superpowered families, can be incredible families in that sense. As is, if you know, we we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We don't always get along. But if we love each other and love each other unconditionally. Uh, we can be an incredible family. And that's, I think, really, when you come down to it, that's the message of this movie. And in this day and age, to see a, a family, a mom, a dad, and kids, you know, depicted on screen where they love each other despite the problems that they encounter, that's a that's a wonderful thing. I mean, right there makes it, makes it a better movie than a lot of things that are out there today. Uh, so I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, that's, that's how I kind of... Uh, felt about about this in the end. I think that's an important reminder especially um for families well really for every family I mean I I certainly had so many times when my kids were little where I would look around myself at church even and say what is wrong with me like why <laughs> why do the rest of these families totally have their act together and I can barely you know keep my children from underneath the pew um <laughs> you know why is my why you know, why am I just so out of control with the situation? And I think once you get to know other families, you realize, wow, they're just as messed up as we are. <laughs> but I think that that message here that every family is made in their own special way um, yep. and that you're all right, um, that if you stay together, you're family and and that's just right. So, yeah, my my kids are well behaved at church. I have to say that. But when people come up to us at church and say, you have the perfect family. Your kids are perfect. I just sit there going, oh, if you only knew, if you only could see at home. I, I was out in the backyard grilling the other day, getting grilling supper, and I heard it from my neighbor's yard. I heard a crying kid and a yelling parent, and I'm like, yes, solidarity, brother. That's that's we're together. That's I, 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 I we're not I'm not alone in this. Uh, so it's it's good to know that other people. They struggle a bit, but we're all we're all working through it. Um, so let's talk about the. And can the, you imagine if you had Jack Jack? I mean, what a disaster <laughs> that would be. I was just about to say, let's talk about the the character who steals the film, which is Jack Jack. I mean, when Jack Jack <laughs> fights the raccoon, that was the best. That was the best. I mean, just he they were they were at tooth and nail with each other. I loved I loved that 
that's that action scene between the two of them. And poor Bob is passed out in the other room. And Jack Jack is just going to town on this. <laughs> this raccoon who thinks he's got the upper hand on this baby. And then, the, and then the baby starts shooting laser beams out at him. I just, <laughs> I just loved that uh, that scene. Um, well, listen, he won over Edna Mode too. Oh yes, who didn't who didn't like the babies? You know? <laughs> I know Edna was so. uh, was great with Jack Jack at this moment. By the end, uh, he was sort of imitating her. It was just uh, so uh, precious. Um, another character who got more time this time was Frozone. Their their buddy. Yes. Um, it was nice to have him, you know, show up again. He got he didn't get a lot of screen time, but he got more, and he got involved at the end. I mean, he was in the middle of of that that final fight scene with the boat, uh, and so it was nice to see the the him to, to get some of that time there. Um, although we still have not seen Mrs. Frozone. She get a few more lines, but that's about it. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna kick his butt that's what she's gonna do when he gets home so there's a lot more to say but i kind of want to uh start to head toward the uh to the end here with with our discussion and, and i, I want to come back to the that something I, that brought up right at the beginning which is i want to compare this movie to the first movie and and then sort of talk about sequels like how do you how would you rank these movies like was was this one better than the first? Was the first one better? Maria, how would how, start with you? How would you rank these? Well, I, I'm always, I always think that any sequel is going to be lesser. And, the, and, and the reason for that is, is not because I didn't enjoy it, but because it was such a fresh idea 14 years ago. You know, it was, right. it was just new. Yes. And so a lot of what the audience responds to is is that newness. Now, I still don't think it's a new story. You know, this idea of working together as a team. Right. You know, hello, all of the <laughs> all of the <laughs> you know, it's not a new idea, but the fresh take on it was what made it fantastic. And um and, and to be honest with you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna Lisa's gonna laugh, I'm gonna plug my second book, which is Supergirls and Halos, which talks about, yep. which which actually was inspired by Edna Mode and her no capes, and and how those things um, hold you back. Um, I th I think that the message in the first one was a strong message, um, and, it, and which was the solidarity, which was that each one of us is unique and we have these unique gifts, and that when we use these gifts together that the result is goodness. And, and so, you know, that's why I give, you know, the Incredibles, the big kudos mm -hmm. and, and that it was followed through, I think very effectively and very well in the second one. Uh, but I got to go with the first one. Elisa, how about you? Well, I'm glad Maria plugged her book because I was going to do it if she didn't. So, and I love this. And I'll just say that um, that if you're someone who enjoys the genre, you'll absolutely love the book. Um, so check it out. Um, I, I have to say, well, I really love the the first one. I love this one too, and I love that it's a new take on this from an updated perspective. That um, they were able to take the the theme of, you know, this permeated technology society that we're living in, which really, you know, was it was kind of a thing in 2004, but nowhere near what it is now right. um, and really help us give get a perspective on um, and a handle on how, you know, are we letting these tools that we've created control our lives? Um, so I like that the updated um, look at that. Um, 
and story wise, you know, you always have to love an original, um, but I love a story that keeps on giving. And you can almost look at this and point to future stories that will spring from it. And right. from a storytelling perspective, I love those lo little subliminal things that are always put into something like this, just to leave the window of opportunity open. Yes. Uh, just to kind of point out something, as as you mentioned, kind of uh, when the first movie came out, Facebook and Twitter were years in the future. I mean, they, yeah. they did not exist at all. Uh, and now, uh, you know, social media uh, today. Uh, so the world has changed a lot since the first movie. You know, one of the things is that, that that's difficult with a sequel is is that balance between a serv you know, serving what we loved about the first while also striking out with something new. Um, you have you, you could have the last Jedi problem where they did something very new and the fans were all freaking out and hating it. Uh, and then you could then you have other movies where the sequel is basically a retread of the first and it's boring. Uh, they didn't. This one isn't boring. There is new. Uh, and I think they walked a fine line between between those two extremes. Um, I, I think I give the just a slight edge to the first one, because like you like you said, Maria, it, w it was new then it was original. And uh, and so it was it had a different impact than than this one did, because I'd, I'd seen some of this before. It wasn't, you know, uh, you know, um, I wasn't a gas, not a gas. I wasn't like, wow, this is this is something whole, wholly new to me. Um, but I did. I really enjoyed this one. And um, I, I, I think it's going to be something I could watch again. And it's almost in, in one sense, especially since. The, this one picks up literally as the old as the first one ends. It's really almost one story, uh, sort of an extended part of the first story, and it creates a complete story in in, in these two movies. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, wh where they would go with a third one if they ever did it, that's a that's an interesting question. Whether they would extend the story or go someplace new, uh, it, it's it's. Well, I think you hinted wow, at it, it with seems like they would have Yeah. More frozen, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, um, I know, so with Chime Travelers, when I wrote those books, you know, it's some main characters, but you always put in kind of side characters that leave the possibility open. And right. certainly you've seen that with, you know, the whole Marvel Universe Um um So, you know, while well, we see Frozone come into his own in the next one, <laughs> I think that would be cool. <laughs> You know, uh, I, just, I do want to give a nod to Bob Odenkirk, who played uh, Winston Dever in this, who is um, Saul from All About uh, um, um, All About Saul. Is that what it is called? Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. I don't know what. What? Am I, I'm late for me. Uh, Better Call Saul, and uh, he's so great. I mean, he's great in that, but he's just so it's so good in this. He's just got that that slightly smarmy salesman sort of thing going on here, where it's not too over the top. Um, and you don't quite trust him the whole way, but uh, it's just so well done by him. I get I get to throw a nod out to him for that. Uh, I really enjoyed him in this. So, any last thoughts? Anything uh, we didn't discuss that you wanted to to bring up now uh, to about uh, Incredibles two? Either uh, Lisa, do you have anything? No, just that I'd love to hear from everybody who's seen it what you think and uh, what what your take was. Whether you're a a mom or a dad or a teen, let us yeah. know what you think. Excellent. And and Maria, anything? Oh, just yeah. I want I want to know what people think about it. Um, okay. And and frankly, I remain 
ever committed to Edna Mode. <laughs> we need an Edna Mode movie is what we need. <laughs> That's the next sequel. I'm serious. <laughs> so, folks, uh, you heard, you've heard from us and you heard that we want to hear from you. So you know, let us know what you think of the movie, where you're coming from, what you think of what we've had to say um, by going to sqpn.com slash secrets or to the StarQuest Facebook page. Uh, you just search for SQPN on Facebook and leave us some feedback on, you know, find this, the entry for this episode and leave us a, a feedback there or go to uh, send us an email at secrets at sqpn.com. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can find relevant links for our discussion on our show notes, including links to Maria's and Lisa's books uh, that they mentioned, because you definitely want to check those out, especially if you like The Incredibles. Uh, so you'll find those on our website, on our show notes, uh, sqpn.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And remember to write a review, like, comment, share, help us grow to reach more people and grow our audience, because... You know, you're the way we do that. Uh, we don't have a budget for advertising. You help us to grow our audience. So until next time on The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows, Maria Johnson, thank you for braving the storm and sharing The Secrets of the Incredibles with us. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> and Lisa Hendy, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. I love that Maria's super uh, power is that she can hold back hurricanes with a single hand. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. <laughs>